You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Tuesday, 6 December, U.S. personal savings rate is 2.3%, lowest since records began. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb studios in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, going to be chatting with Alex Dace results. We've got tons of them. We'll touch on Alexander Forbes and Oceana. Uh, a chat with uh, Theresa's CEO. Good results from them. Uh, Zimbabwean uh, expansion looking good. And I'm curious about Chrome demand. And then Eric Smuts from NAMPAC. Their results. Beverage cans doing well, uh, but that balance sheet they're doing a 2 billion rand rights issue. Is that enough? The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from MoneyWeb. Signia surges almost 10% on spike in dividend. Full year profit after tax up 19%. Dividend yield, what, low double digits. Business day, uptick in business activity likely to stave off recession. Monthly indicators provide clues about growth momentum as PMI shows private sector activity increased for the first time in three months. Morning markets, US was red, S&P down 1.8%, NASDAQ off 1.2%. Asia is mixed, Sydney down 0.1% and Tokyo up almost a third of a percent. Commodities, red across the board, gold 1,787, Brent 83.40, platinum $1,012 an ounce, palladium $1,886 an ounce. Rand 17.41, Bitcoin 17,050, 10 cent down, just over 1% in the Hong Kong lunch break. And top 40, uh, looking for an opening call, 330 points to the red, that's just under half a percent. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Turning with Alex Dace, our portfolio manager in Thumble Wealth. Alex, appreciate the, the early morning. The Alexander Forbes results. I mean, headline earnings under pressure, uh, a dividend up in a, in, a, in, a, in a market which is hugely competitive and in a, an economy that isn't growing, a, a, a tough space. Your, your take on, on, on the numbers from them. Yes, good morning, Simon. Um, yeah, I mean, retirement savings in Africa hasn't grown for a number of years. Um, look, for example, at asset management for a firm like Coronation has gone nowhere, I think, since mm-hmm. 2013-15. Forbes pretty much the same. just shows you that retirement savings, specifically institutional side, hasn't grown. And obviously, we know retail people has gone offshore. So that really makes it difficult to grow the business organically. Um, so Forbes has been quite busy with selling some business in the recent past and looking to do some bolt-on acquisition now in order to try to get some form of growth. But at the same time, you've got this, your cost base is probably growing ahead of inflation. So you see, for example, in Forbes, their cost income ratio is quite high. Even yeah. though they're managing it relatively well, this shows you how difficult it is. And that is why they're trying to do, for example, to change the lease and cent and try to release some form of capital and some form of savings for investors. But I think this set of results, it, on the circumstances, it, it, was, it was reasonably good. Um, obviously, as a market, as we refer to, um, as a cost price, has been a pressure, so it has had an impact. But since September, it has recovered mm-hmm. um, to anticipate them to have a decent set uh, in the next interim or so. But overall, I think it's a business that's it's very, very difficult to, to move the needle at this moment, considering the low GDP environment in SA and, quite frankly, dismal savings culture. 
Yeah, no, I take your point on that. Oceana, a good H2 from them. I have to be honest, I'm always very interested in fishing stocks. I fortunately never have bought them because they always would have, have seemingly cost me, cost me money. I mean, is there opportunity here? I mean, it's a good source of protein, uh, but certainly some, 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 some challenges. Although, as I said, a good H2. Yeah, certainly it was a good H2. Also better than I anticipated. But if you look at the breakdown of the earnings, I mean, so they had a record numbers from the USA business called Daybrook, which had 50% mm-hmm. EBIT margins, and it really virtually doubled, more than doubled its profit there. While the rest of the business, you can fish it. Most people would know, you know, for example, your tunas and the likes, pilchards struggled. Uh, that's due to cost pressures. Uh, but there has been, of course, some substitution from consumers under pressure into fish. And then horse mackerel, lobster, etc. at a dismal time. And at the same time, they're looking to sell their commercial storage business for about 10% of the market cap. So um, I think it, it was a good set of results. Uh, this business used to trade at a much higher premium than it is today. Yeah. Um, if you look at the dividend yield and the P, it's, it's quite a discount to that. It has scored some own goals from a management perspective and governance perspective over the last few years. But obviously, you're trying to clean that up now. Um, so you could make an argument there could be some form of re-rating if they can repeat this type of results, uh, specifically as fish meal and fish oil prices remain high. Um, and at the same time, I think it will be some nice value unlocked by selling a commercial storage business. And we'll see what we'll have to wait and see what they're going to do with that capital. Oh, another point, of course, is that working capital is an issue, as yeah. we've seen so many businesses at the moment due to supply chain issues. <laughs> they had to invest quite a lot into that. Hopefully they can release that over the next six to 12 months and that will support perhaps high dividend growth going forward. But yeah, I think certainly a better result than expected and perhaps as Johanna's finally on the path of going so way because if you look at the last 10 years, share price has gone nowhere. Yeah, share price nowhere, as you point out. I mean, it, it, price earnings are, are at low single digits, a, a chunky dividend, um, but uh, uh, yeah, a lot of fifth parts and maybe's there. We'll leave it there. Alex Day's Portfolio Manager and Fumble Wealth appreciate the early morning. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now. On the money. I'm chatting with uh, Fivis Perula. He's uh, Theresa's CEO. Results for the year in September. Revenue up 15%. Earnings per share up 44%. Fivis, a, a really good year, but uh, some challenges. Most notable, I imagine, is ESCOM. How are you managing, handling, load shedding? Uh, yeah, thanks, Simon. Always good to be with you and your listeners. Um, so, you know, being an open pit mine, the majority of our energy consumption is diesel. Fortunately okay. and unfortunately, you know, it has, it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> uh, so we rely on um, Eskom for around 25 to 30 megawatts uh, for our processing plants. Mm-hmm. About three years ago, we installed 10 megawatts of standby generation, <clears throat> which allows us to withstand what, what sort of domestic users refer to as level four, level five load shedding mm-hmm. in the sort of industrial sphere. And we call it curtailment. So it's it's a negotiated cutback. So in effect, we haven't had uh, any disruption due to ESKIM uh, outages. Uh, there have been some spikes and dips which do cause issues, but it hasn't affected our production. And you can see that by the record uh, performance that we've posted in terms of uh, productivity.
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a, a very, very strong uh, year in terms of production. Uh, guidance for the year ahead, sort of in, in the range where you came in now. But you make a point in the results that actually recycling is going to be the significant driver of supply and demand because there's not a, a heck lot new coming on. We'll touch on Zimbabwe in a moment, but it really is up to the recyclers. Yeah, look, and, and because of the sort of pent-up demand in auto sales, what's happening is second-hand or used cars mm. are not being recycled or sold, as it were, trashed um, as soon as they would normally. So there's also a bottleneck in AutoCats coming into the market for, for PGM recycling. So you're seeing pinch points on both primary supply with you know mining, particularly in South Africa, being complicated being getting more expensive with all these inflationary pressures, getting deeper underground. You know, the average PGM mine is more than one and a half kilometers underground, and that has its own challenges, and, and there's, a, there's a long list of those. Uh, so, yeah, we're seeing, uh, particularly around platinum, which is a really a South Africa-centric supply um, source. Uh, so, yes, recycling is important, but bearing in mind that uh, there will be challenges on that side as well. Hundred percent, and 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 one of the key things. I mean, uh, PGM basket price is is down in the year uh, uh, more in dollars than in rand. Rand helps some of it, but it's still at. I mean, frankly, massively profitable levels. Absolutely, yeah. And and we look at sort of what's what's driving that, and it really is deficits uh, still persisting in palladium and rhodium, and it's I think universally accepted that platinum within 18 months is going to be in the same situation mm -hmm. for the very reasons that I've mentioned earlier. Uh, so we're starting to see that platinum price eventually move, you know, through that $1,000 an ounce barrier. Uh, and we think that, you know, it should, should uh, appreciate considerably from this point when we look at demand supply fundamentals. I, I would mention Zimbabwe, I, the Great Duck. I was, I, was, I was doing some digging over the weekend. Um, second largest PGM deposit in the world. Of course, Bushvolt is the largest the Bushvolt complex. You, you've got the, the, the acquisition there. You've now got the majority stake. Uh, production looking for mid-2024. Uh, capital requirements in that regard? Uh, there are still some, but my sense is you've got them well-funded with cash flows. So, yeah, I mean, part of the funding is equity that comes from Teresa, yep. around a third a third of it. And then the balance is your typical project finance, debt, debt sort of financed uh, packages. Um, and, yeah, so it's all, all well on track. We're, we're excited. It's a short timeline to productivity, as you say, around 21 months left. Uh, capital around 390 million dollars in total and that includes quite a bit of infrastructure remember this is a greenfields project mm -hmm. um so we're bringing water we're bringing power in uh, roadways and things so uh, very exciting for us it sees us doubling our pgm output um within you know short order uh, so very exciting and if we look at our peers well-established producers on the great dike which are the majors you know they their lowest cost pgm answers come from the great dike so, so there's a precedent, uh, you know, a mining legacy on the Great Dyke of successful operations. Is this also relatively shallow? It, yeah, we're starting with an open pit. Mm -hmm. So we have a 17-year open pit phase one life, which wow. gives us okay. that 190,000 ounce a year. And then it's, it's a huge land package. So we're, when we look at phase two, three, and even four, uh, we'd be looking at um, going underground or portal development shaft so these are options available to us as we uh, successfully develop the first phase how long to ramp to that hundred and ninety thousand? because your guidance for this year's for the next year is 175 to 185 so it's literally doubling your your, your output correct 
Correct. So, you know, we we see first ore in mill in July 2024, give ourselves six months to de-bottleneck processing mm-hmm. plants. So I think on an annualized basis, uh, calendar year 2025, we should start seeing us uh, getting to that run rate. Okay, okay. Uh, last question. Uh, Chrome, of course, the Vulcan plant, relatively new in your life. You made the point you're supplying about 10 to 12% of, of China's annual demand in Chrome. Is that demand holding up? I mean, there's all sorts of challenges coming out of China, most notably zero COVID policies. Yeah, absolutely. So there's so many mixed messages, and I suppose the one that hits the headlines is the zero COVID policy. Mm-hmm. Demand has been robust. We've okay. seen the price being supported, uh, you know, currently $220 a ton at the current exchange rates, you know, exceptionally high uh, converted RAND prices for our Chrome. Uh, most importantly, through the multimodal export channels we have, we're able to get our product out of the country and to our customers. And um, yeah, I think what gives us confidence is that port stocks in China are still yeah. extremely low. They're not at, at these peaks that we've seen previously. So it means that it's almost a just-in-time model. So, so they physically need the delivery of these Chrome units. And we haven't seen restocking of any significance in this last uh, year or so. And really, the Chrome price is up, you know, some 35% year on year, and, and it's boosted our record revenue and, and, and profit. Where PGMs dropped, uh, Chrome picked up uh, on the other side. Um, so, so really pleased with our financial results for the year. Well, you've there. That's uh, Theresa, uh, CEO, uh, Fivus Perulis. Fivus, always appreciate the time. Uh, really good a set of numbers there, and that's our question today on our poll, LinkedIn and Twitter. Is this a PGM, PGM stock withholding? And as Fever said there, you know, a bit of a weakness in PGM, but then uh, Chrome kind of comes to save the day. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. Hear that? Nothing. Your money can do more when it blocks out the noise, as hard as it is these days. When you invest in the Standler Balanced Cautious Fund, We manage the risks so that you can see stable inflation-beating returns through market cycles. Invest with more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on The Money. Chatting with Eric Smuts, uh, CEO of NAMPAC, results out for the year in September. Revenue was up 21%, trading profit up 13%. Uh, operating profit, it's worth mentioning, before net impairments, impairments down 4 and uh, HEPs off 42%. Eric, appreciate the time. You announced a $2 billion rights issue on Friday. Does this get you into a, into a stable cash flow and, and debt situation? You've, of course, got that uh, big debt repayment due in March. Absolutely, Simon. I think, uh, first of all, the, the, the capital raise is, is uh, probably bigger than what the market expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, we announced before that there's a minimum of $1.35 billion required to, to enable us to refinance the debt. Of course, there's some, some cost, etc. involved as well. But then there's also a small element of expansionary capex that we asked the market for where we've got a, a very exciting opportunity to, to upgrade one of our, our lines, our beverage can lines in the core of our business, uh, where we want to invest behind an incredibly buoyant market in South Africa on beverage cans, and therefore it would be very sad to miss that opportunity. So yes, it would be investment in the core of our business, but uh, I think that the relief that we'll get uh, from some of the debt repayment should allow us to also then access other benefits like, for instance, 
in the last year, we consumed about 250 million rands of working capital purely mm -hmm. because of the weakness of our balance sheet and, and the contraction of credit limits from some of our, our, our suppliers of raw materials. So other than, than just repaying debt, there's, there's other benefits that come through where, you know, like I say, we can, we can benefit from uh, extended payment terms if we have a, a lower risk balance sheet. I got you. And beverage cans did, did incredibly well during the period, particularly locally, uh, even to a degree in, into the rest of the continent. I mean, what's the driver for that? Because I, I look out at the South African economy and, and, and I, I, I don't see a booming economy. I mean, is it the product you have? Is it, is it competitors moving out or, or, or what's the story there? Not at all. In fact, the, the competitive environment even became more competitive. I think it's it's part of a, a global trend. Mm -hmm. South Africa, I think the dynamics might might have been slightly different, uh, and we're seeing it very different from uh, the the rest of our market. You know, in our in our food can operation, for instance, we've seen a contraction in yeah. market demand. The the consumers is going through tough times, and it appears that. The harder it gets, the more alcohol they consume, number one, and the more energy drinks. So, th so the growth we've seen has largely been from the, the, the expansion or the growth in energy drinks, but also more and more alcohol products, mainly beer, being packaged in, in cans. And, and that's a trend towards more convenience on yeah. the one side. But there's also globally, there's an enormous trend away from single-use plastic towards more sustainable uh, beverage cans, which is aluminium and, of course, uh, infinitely recyclable. Yeah, and in South Africa is being recycled, whereas plastic, frankly, is, is hard. I mean, the recycling rates or our collection rate of beverage cans uh, in South Africa is actually much higher than, than Europe or the U.S. Um, it, it's always been fairly high. Yeah. It's difficult to say what it is at the moment, but it is well north of, of 80%. Um, and it is being recycled. So this is not something that's recyclable. Uh, <laughs> it, is, it is being recycled. Yeah, no, the whole recycling of the aluminium cans is, is, is quite a story, particularly locally. What about input costs? I mean, it, it's been a, a tough year in input costs. It's been actually, truthfully, a, a tough year for supply chains as well. Have you managed that, and have you been able to pass some of those costs on to, to customers? Simon, yes, we have. So you would have seen we had a 21% growth in revenue, yeah. but sadly, most of that growth in revenue was simply the pass-through of, of higher commodity prices to our customers. And that's, that's very painful for consumers and, of course, put volumes under pressure. We've been able to pass through most of the, the, the um, increased commodity prices through. What we have not been able to do is to, to be refunded for the for the incremental funding cost of this higher working capital. And in the last gotcha. year, it, that, that on its own probably cost NAMPIC about a, a hundred million rand, which is which is an unsustainable benefit we've passed on to, to mm -hmm. our customers. But uh, with commodity prices starting to come down, we should see quite a reversal and, and hopefully some release of uh, of working capital requirements. And what about ESCOM? Because, I, I mean, the, the novice in me would suspect that you would be quite a, a, a large power user. And, and I mean, I, I know industries are treated differently than, 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 than you know, home residences and the like, but, but how are you managing that? Uh, absolutely. Listen, I have to be honest that the municipalities in which we operate in general has treated us very well to, mm -hmm. until now, similar to, to many other industries. But it is becoming more and more painful 
and it is hugely disruptive. You know, in our factories, you you can't do a two or three hour um, sort of load shedding. After load shedding, it can take us up to six hours to get our lines up and running again. So, you know, having two uh, sort of cuts in a day, two hours each can, can almost, you know, remove the entire day's production. So I think as a result of that, the municipalities try to limit um, the amount of times they cut us off or cut us off for a longer period at a time. But uh, I'm very concerned that um, as we go forward, clearly load shedding is not going to improve in the next year or two. I think uh, it's more likely to only improve two years out. Um, We we are a, a fairly high consumer of, of electricity when you consider just self-generation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not, nothing like the mines and, and some of those other, other high users, but it is not economically feasible for us to start running on, on enormous generators. Some of our smaller plants do have backup generators, but the core of our business, the, our beverage can operations, and unfortunately require good quality, stable electricity uh, and hence, uh, it is very concerning the, the sort of um, the, the trend uh, at ESCOM at the moment. Yeah, at least in, at least the municipalities are engaging you, but all the CEOs I chat to, ESCOM is making headaches to be short. Eric Smuts, CEO in Ampac, appreciate the time. That's it for today. We're chatting with Carl uh, Givers yesterday. Givers, around those Tiger brand results, HEPS was up, uh, Full Year Dividend was up. We asked if this was a stock worth owning in your portfolio. Half of you said, nope, nope, not for you, thank you. A third said yes, but it was a speculative, and I, I, I kind of buy into that. I can't help wondering, maybe they're a takeover target for 2023. The rest said you were holding and liking. Have your vote, have your say, Twitter and LinkedIn. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the MoneyWeb website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nubuchle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow, talking lessons from 2022. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.